Welcome to Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash. Every week we'll be speaking to startup and scale-up founders to learn about them, their ambitions for the business, goals and objectives. Every conversation is a moment in time, documenting entrepreneurs' current situation with a view to coming back next year to see how they are getting on. Each journey will be different. Each innovation could be game-changing. I hope you enjoy. Great. So series one, episode seven. Uh, my guest today, if you could introduce yourself. Sure. My name is Ruel. I am the co-founder of the Patcher app. Um, the Patcher app is a pay-as-you-go, breakdown recovery, roadside assistance um, and vehicle repair app. And it uses independent mechanics within 15 miles of each customer's location to get them up on their feet. Could you tell me a bit more about how you came about the name Patcher in the first place? Okay. So initially the app was called Auto Click Fix. Then it became AutoTap. Um, and then we couldn't get the domain names for either because um, they were quite common. And it was just getting so frustrating because nothing that we were trying to create was working. We were trying to figure out all these names within the automotive space. And then Sam um, came up with, why don't we just call it Patcher? Because I guess they're kind of patching people up. And it kind of <laughs> came, it kind of was like, Patcher, hmm, hmm, I don't know. But we didn't have a lot of time to really run with different things because the developers were building it. They needed the name so that it could get onto the um, app store. So we just went with Patcher. And we just hoped that it would grow um, on us. And it did over time. I mean, we have had some feedback, which has been like, it's not the right name. But I think it's more about the branding and the image. I think the name can work if the branding works. It is what the brand, the name stands for. And mm. Uh, the community you build around mm, it and mm. the reputation you build mm -hmm. is very, very important. Mm, mm. And I guess for us with Patcher, it enables us to be really creative, like in animation. So a lot of stuff that we do, we're trying to steer away from this like black and white look that a lot of these auto companies have. We're really trying to come as creative as possible. So all like even on our LinkedIn's and stuff, all of us are animated characters, like all the mechanics in the app would be animated characters. The whole app is animated and because it's called Patcher, it kind of enables us to have that kind of friendly feel to it. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. So give us a bit of background <laughs> about how you got here in the first place. Sure. So um, <clears throat> I've always been quite a entrepreneurial character, I'd say. Both of my parents are quite entrepreneurial. So I've always kind of had that keen interest in business from quite a young age. It really developed um, after university. During uni, I found myself doing quite a few different extra activities outside of my degree. I used to charge £20 an hour to help tutor like international students. Um, I used to tutor English, like GCSE level, just to make a bit of extra money on the side. I went to university, I studied law, I finished university, I went and started working within law firms and then I worked for like big corporations. <clears throat> and all of this, you know, before the age of 24, I thought I was this like young businesswoman walking across London. But, um, <laughs> but after that, I kind Kind of really decided that it, I wanted to do something for myself but I didn't know what that was. I actually came across Patcher um, through a uh, breakdown that I, I actually had. It was like the worst experience. Through that experience it's what caused Patcher to come about today. So, oh dear. so 
don't want to go too <laughs> Not quickly. experiences, <laughs> uh, but what happened in the breakdown that caused you to see an opportunity uh, to improve that that situation for other people? I live in a, an area which is quite um, remote. Mm-hmm. So um, I was coming back from seeing one of the clients that I was working for just trying to get home and there were so many country roads and lots of ditches and I had like a little KA at the time. It just wasn't able to sustain the roads in which I was driving on and I had I didn't even break down. I kind of stalled and the car kind of got stuck. I kind of was panicking because I didn't really know what to do in that situation. I'd never broken down before. The first thing I did because I didn't have AA or REC is I called my dad and my dad called up um, the AA and asked them if he could put me on his policy so that they can come out and collect me and they had told him that in order for me to join his policy or to set up a policy of my own I had to pay up front like quite a large sum of money and I just Mm. did not have that at that time if you've broken down you just need help where you are and because I hadn't had a policy they were quite prepared to leave me there on the roadside so my dad actually went on to google um and did like a extensive search to find a local mechanic mm-hmm. um who happens to be my business partner now okay. um but he at the time came out to me with his van um and was able to tow me back home which wasn't too far as well so i kind of figured that there was a way in which i could solve this problem I can't be the only person who's broken down on the roadside and been stuck and needed help. And um, the mechanic, um, who's Clayton, my actual business partner now, we had a few conversations about it. He gave me so much insight into how many jobs a day he does, what kind of jobs they are, mm-hmm. um, why people call him instead of actually calling up their policyholders. And the clear picture out of all of this was that there's clearly a difficulty and people getting access to help when they need it on the roadside Mm. and the lack of knowledge that people actually have when they do break down like where do you go what do you do great so great so that certainly sounds quite an interesting application Mm. and um very accessible for everybody who who can just download it on their phone and access Mm -hmm. a mechanic when they need to Mm -hmm. so could you tell us a bit more about uh, how you're going about getting mechanics the network Mm-hmm. together to be available because it sounds like they're very busy already yeah working so how do you so <laughs> mechanics are, are a difficult um group of people to <laughs> communicate with they're very no nonsense you know they need to know what they have to do when they have to do it so initially you know we had all these creative ideas of being all fancy to try and actually get through to mechanics and literally they just didn't want to know the only person who could actually get through to mechanics was Clayton because Clayton speaks their language. He doesn't talk nonsense. He doesn't send emails. You know, he calls them up and tells them what he needs them to do when he needs them to do it. Can they sign up? He explains what needs to be done. And that has really been the basis of how we've been able to build our mechanic network. Clayton is actually able to really build that trust with them. So that's really how we've built our market. We've spent a good couple of weeks scouting the whole south of the best mechanics that we could find to join our platform and we laid it all out in front of them exactly how we could help them build their business mm-hmm. um, and in doing that speaking very plainly a lot of them are quite interested um, I think at the moment um, Yell is still available and that's how a lot of these mechanics were advertising and getting building their businesses or through word of mouth so by creating this platform for them they were quite interested in a new way of building their actual businesses great great so there's a little bit of diagnosis in in the traditional way of Mm -hmm. a phone call to uh, an rsc Mm -hmm. rac or uh, an aa 
Mm. And they go through a list of questions mm -hmm. and say, are you okay? What's the problem? Mm -hmm. and, and they then send that information off to a mechanic who then does diagnosis on site as well. Mm -hmm. Is there any mechanism within the application to, to cater for that sort of delivery of information to the mechanic up front? Yeah, so um, the app is designed to, in the case of an emergency, provide us access the most information that we can, mm -hmm. but in the shortest space of time. So um, if a customer is in an emergency and they need help, um, literally in the space of a button, they click emergency. It comes up with seven questions which take under a minute to answer basic questions like how many people in the vehicle do you have fuel is your fuel gauge light on it even explains exactly how to check once that those questions are completed it gets sent out to all the mechanics within that 15 mile radius mm -hmm. and uh, the mechanics accept on a first come first serve basis so it does do the same thing but in a much simpler format mm. and it cuts out you know the phone calls and the waiting on the line and the trying to get through to somebody on the other side it's just very quick and uh, simple great and as you scale the challenge will be to to maintain the high quality yeah. mechanics the, mm -hmm. the vetting process you go through could you tell us a bit more about that obviously in this country mechanics don't have a very good reputation um when it comes to dealing with people's cars so for us it was really important to kind of create our own um standard which mechanics had to meet in order for them to be on the platform mm -hmm. and not just creating an initial standard but having ourselves monitor the mechanics throughout the process of their time with Patcha. Mm -hmm. So in order for a mechanic to be part of our network, they do go through a very stringent um, vetting process, which does check the quality, it checks their experience. And only after we've done all of that vetting, we then create them as a Patcha approved mechanic. Okay. And then throughout their journey with us, we do do regular checks. We help them where we can and provide further training if we can. Mm -hmm. A lot of cars these days are becoming more electric, electrical, electrically, sorry, yeah. um, um, built. So we provide the kind of training and the information for mechanics to kind of increase their knowledge. And also we give the power back to the customers to do a lot of the reviewing of mechanics, mm. which helps mechanics build their profiles mm -hmm. and builds trust in them to gain more you know, work from the app. Very, very interesting. So is the app available today? Is it publicly available? So we are doing a relaunch September 1. Mm -hmm. So we decided that when we launched earlier this year, we were getting quite a lot of work through the app and the app wasn't able to sustain the amount of work that was coming through. Mm -hmm. So we decided to revamp our app and kind of rebrand ourselves and then do a launch in tranches across the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. So hopefully by this time next year, we would have launched across the entire UK, but it is going to be a gradual launch this time. We want to make sure that we are covering each county in each area of the UK with a good set of mechanics. Um, so it is available from September 1. So how many mechanics do you think you could, would need get complete coverage of the United Kingdom? So we are aiming to have at minimum eight mechanics per county. Mm -hmm. um, so that's split up into those that provide general repair work. Mm -hmm. um, this could be like um, general repair mechanics, also roadside assistance and recovery. Um, but if we can cover eight per county, it means that we have mechanics within 15 miles of each area, which means there's always always somebody where a customer will be.
Mm-hmm. And, so. and in terms of the fees, how, how does that work? For so for for the customers. Yes. So for customers, um, it's pay as you go app, which means that there's no subscriptions or renewals or mm-hmm. anything like that. We simply take a percentage of each job that's done throughout the app. Okay. The app is split up into two, so we have emergency, roadside, and then we also have repair, depending on the service that somebody may need. And we have a relationship with mechanics. We try and build. Um, a business relationship with them where we have yeah. different rates for different services. So. I see. And then they're published on the app as well. So the, Yeah. So yeah, the mechanics customer. know beforehand mm-hmm. what they're getting into and the customers know Great. what costs they'll be incurring. Great. And so what are the challenges that you faced in building the app in the first place? <clears throat> uh, the first challenge I would definitely say is the lack of knowledge. Myself, I come from a legal background. Mm-hmm. Clayton is a mechanic, but he's not a tech developer mm-hmm. uh, and my other business partner Sam is an accountant so none of us have any knowledge of tech and how things are built how the technology works and I think from the beginning that has been the biggest challenge and just not knowing and not been able to have those kind of conversations with the developers so we have put complete trust in the developers to be able to deliver the idea that we have in our mind of mm-hmm. what we want the app to be able to to do but not being able to actually have the com- the detailed conversations that are needed for that has been very, very challenging. Mm. Luckily, we have a really great development team who take time to explain and take time to give us a full understanding of exactly what it is that they're doing. That's, that's good. So over the past year or so, our knowledge has improved. But from the beginning, I'd say that's definitely been the biggest challenge. Mm. We can only anticipate what we know. Yes. But if we don't know what they're doing or we don't have real background and knowledge into development it's very difficult to really understand how long things are going to take time frames why things go wrong why this bug happened why that bug happened so, so how, how do you source <clears throat> the skills then the, the developers in the first place mm-hmm. for the benefit of people who are listening to this podcast who have a great idea mm-hmm. but don't have the skills you need to go to market and establish those mm. skills so how did you do it well um I uh, was told about this app called Shaper. I don't know if anybody's heard of it. Oh, yeah. Shaper is absolutely fantastic. Shaper enabled me to connect with investors, connect with developers. And I literally built a lot of the teams around me that have helped me develop this app through Shaper and the connections that I get through there. So the developers, I connected with a guy who represents the team there mm-hmm. and they were a startup as well. So we were bootstrapping right at the beginning. So cost was very important that we kept within our budget. And as a startup, they were looking for like their first set of clients to work with. So we just luckily happened to be in the right place and needed each other at the right time and um, connected through Shaper and that's how I found the development team and also through um, a lot of networking events that I've been to so I know that it can be a drag to constantly go to different events but it really helps you build your network as well find the people if there's somebody that knows somebody that can help you they let you know Mm -hmm. and it's a really good to kind of build that community of support. That's great insight thank you. So what are your ambitions then? You mentioned over the course of the next few months to the mm-hmm. year, you'll be covering the entire UK. Mm-hmm. What would is, is that realistic, do you think? Well, um, it's realistic in terms of having the app in place ready across the UK. Mm-hmm. We don't want to 
launch all at once because it's going to put a lot of pressure on the app. But to have the app spread out with the mm -hmm. right amount of mechanics across the UK will be accomplishable within the next 12 months. It does mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that the app will be in full use in every single county across the UK. Mm -hmm. And obviously breakdowns and repairs, you know, subjective to people's situations so we can't predict how many people are going to break down every single year we can sure. use past data but obviously it's not set in stone so for us as an app to have ourselves across the whole of the uk within the next 12 months is our main aim mm -hmm. um and to have like the quality of mechanics um that we have on our platform our real main focus to kind of achieve that is to ensure that people are aware that we have quality mechanics here <clears throat> when anyone's ever looking for a mechanic you know they always do search through google and mechanics pay for google adwords these days you know they're quite clever in making sure that they're straight on the first page so you call the first one because you need help mm -hmm. but you don't necessarily know how good of quality they are as mechanics so if we can build our app and launch it across the whole of the uk within the next uh 12 months and have those quality mechanics set in those places ready to work mm -hmm. that's really going to be a big accomplishment go cool. watch with interest <laughs> and, and, and come back next in 12 months time and absolutely and share and share your journey That'd absolutely be great. okay what recommendations would you give to our listeners the the people who are in a similar position to yourself that from your experiences to date uh, is there mm. anything in particular that stands out that would be valuable i think for me the first thing would be to ensure that everything that you're all your documentation, like your financials, your business plan, your pitch deck, your exact summary is really thorough. Research your market properly because you just don't want to get caught out. People research your market as well, especially if you're going to meet investors and anyone who's trying to help you. They'll do the research. And if they know something that you don't haven't looked into, it's really quite embarrassing. Um, and you kind of have to rethink. And for us, it was definitely um, something that, we did not do enough of at the beginning. Mm -hmm. It took us a long time to really get into our stride in this business and really understand our market in full. It means that you have to get a mentor or join up to like a accelerator or something where if all you gain from it is just help to get that starting step done, mm -hmm. then I would definitely advise to do that. It saves a lot of time when you do things properly the first time. And you mentioned investors. So are you in the process of... of raising funds we've literally just started um raising for our seed round mm -hmm. um so we've bootstrapped and we've also raised like a small amount initially within the past 12 months we've wanted to really do it ourselves at least get ourselves out the door on our own first so now we're in a position where we can actually start raising and between like i'd say march and now um, it's just been learning to get that information correctly, make sure your valuation is correct mm -hmm. and making sure that our financials make sense. You know, do the numbers actually add up and where have you got this data from? So important because investors just want to know that they're going into a market which actually is going to yield them something. Mm. You have to just prove yourself and prove your market if you're going to raise any kind of funds. That's yeah. what I'd say. Probably. So in terms of how much equity are you looking at selling for the for the money? So at the moment, we're looking at parting with 15% equity in our business. Mm -hmm. And that is just based on the fact that we believe that it, I wouldn't say it's too high, but some people would question it to be quite high. But for the 300k that we're looking for, I think that is worth it. Um, there's a lot involved in 
this kind of startup and we do, we're not just looking for investors to give us the money and let us run with it we're really trying to learn as well um, and gain from them so it's more than just an investment opportunity it's more of an opportunity to also be part and get involved and mm. kind of mentor the team as well to help us get further on yeah that's good so. to hear it's good to hear many entrepreneurs i've in- interviewed have expressed a keen interest in not only the money, it's mm. actually the skills and the value that the investors yeah. bring to the table as well. So, exactly. Yeah, it's very valuable. Yeah. It's got me thinking, actually, You look, looking at independent engineers, uh, mechanics to support and deliver a service. Mm. Have you had any conversations with the likes of AA, RAC, uh, Green Flag and so on? The, because it's a bit, it could become a bit like an Airbnb mm. where you have independents providing a service through the application, but you also then have big industry bodies big companies coming in and using that platform mm. as a route to market so we have had we haven't had conversations with you know the a and the rc but we have had conversations with companies who do provide the service but on a b2b level mm-hmm. that are trying to launch out to b2c it's very difficult for them to do so because of the competition from the a and the rc so we have had conversation with um, a couple of companies who are quite big but are trying to get into the B2C market. So by providing this uh, platform, it enables them to take on that opportunity as well. Mm. And obviously, with their name behind them, customers already, you know, having other insurance policies through these companies, Mm -hmm. you know, opens them up to the opportunity of having themselves on the platform. So we are definitely trying to create this marketplace where people can access um, the support and the help they need for their cars. And we do want to take, take, we are planning to work with some of the bigger companies who want to break into the B2C market as well. Interesting. And so what, are you looking to white label your, your platform? Uh, for the benefit of these large organizations or would it be no patcha is the brand is the the marketplace and they sell through so that's the plan so patcha would have to be the brand and the marketplace that they can use to access more customers or even to access customers that they already have within various insurance policies that they may have mm-hmm. um the thing with patcha is um it's more than just you know, an emergency app, it's, you have to think the long term here, when you break down or when you need to fix your car, it's just a a whole load of processes that are involved. Like you have to call up the AA firstly to pick you up on the roadside. Then they drag you to a garage or drag you home, depending on where you are, if they can't fix you. Then after that, you've got to try and pull in the garage and find out if they've got an available appointment. Then you've got to think about a courtesy car or how long are you going to be out without a car for? Think about your train journey. If you're not going to be driving, Think about if the garage can actually take your car. And then when they finally do take your car, you're constantly calling them up to try and find out when have you fixed my car? Is it finished? Is it not? What's the problem? Then they're telling you that you have to pay 1000 or £800 for a new cam belt and this, that and the other. There's a whole load of processes that we're trying to completely eliminate through the app, enabling people to find the service they need straight away. The app has an inbuilt booking system so that you can look at all the garages across your area. You can book yourself into these garages. Um, based on their availability. So there's no need for all the processes and all the people that Mm. you have to call. So in the long term, because of that greater benefit, we can't white label the product for the basis of other companies. It has to be a patch of product where companies use. Understand. Cool. Getting quite excited. (laughs) It's very exciting. Yeah. So I read a lot. I listen to audiobooks. I, I do that for continual learning. So could you tell us what book you're reading or what book you'd recommend somebody to read or listen to now? 
Sure. So I don't read that many books around business. Um, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and get a lot of information from there. But mm -hmm. one book that I definitely recommend, which is the first ever book that I read around this era, this kind of like business side of things was um, Better, Stronger, Faster by Brad Rosser, which is um, a book. Um, he actually worked with Virgin um, and Richard Branson to help build Virgin as a business way, way back right at the start. And in the book, it just is like literally a walkthrough of so many different virgin startups that have come through and what's happened with them. Um, it talks about why things didn't work, you know, what's important for a business when you first start. And it just walks through like Virgin Active, as we know right now, is very successful. It talks mm. about why they became so successful and why Richard Branson um, and their team decided to take them on as a startup and virgin startup. So that was a really, really good book. And also... It sounds very boring, but I do literally religiously follow the guide and the steps in um, the Financial Times Startup Guide. It's literally like the Bible for startups. I don't think you should not have a copy of this book. And it cost me about £30 from Waterstones. It was definitely a well-invested £30 because mm. it really is literally all the way through. It even talks about SEIS and EIS, stuff that if you don't know about startups, you wouldn't know. So for the benefit of the listeners who may not know what SEIS and EIS means, yeah. just put you on the spot. It is a um, assurance from HMRC and the government, which gives um, investors tax relief off their investments into startups, mm -hmm. um, which is very appealing. In fact, a lot of investors won't even invest in a startup, which isn't even SEIS assured at the, at the minimum so that's something that we didn't know but through that book I was like what, what's this I need to get SEIS assured mm. you know so I definitely advise doing that but that book is definitely a really good guide to what you need to do I do feel like sometimes um in this entrepreneur world and um, there's a lot of like there's a lot of talk about yeah read this book you have to listen to podcasts wake up in the morning put your podcast in do your yoga and this whole journey but in reality is it turning into practical actions in your business? There's no point being in the clouds with all this stuff. Is it going to be practical? Is it actually helping you progress? So I think that's why that startup guide is really good because it actually gives you what you need to do. And if you don't do it, then, you know, it's your loss, basically. I love it. Doing, doing rather than thinking and talking. Yeah. Is there a particular entrepreneur or business person or even an individual that you're following at the moment or aspire to be at the moment i'd say i don't i follow quite a few entrepreneurs on instagram and online and stuff um but my biggest inspiration has definitely been uh, my parents like they've we've come from not the best upbringing in terms of our environments my parents really struggled quite a lot when we were young and they really decided to like put a lot of their efforts into trying to start their own businesses to make our lives a lot better and it completely changed everything so i literally I don't follow them now because obviously they've done all of that but I do pay a lot of attention to the things that they tell me because mm -hmm. they have a lot of information and wisdom that really does help and they're really inspiring even though my dad said he won't use my app <laughs> because <laughs> he doesn't have a car that needs it so and the reason I say this as well is because like obviously I don't know everybody's situation but for me my parents only have my best interests so they don't fill my head with stuff that really real and like straight to the point it's so refreshing because they definitely give me the you know straight line 
talk about what needs to be done so yeah. what have you done what have you done Ruel, since yeah. the last time we had a conversation about this app my mom is always calling me well i'm not going to so. be like your parents but the <laughs> idea of the podcast is yeah. to understand what you plan to do and then mm, come back in 12 months definitely. to tell me well, have you done it and, and has it been done exactly cool is there a sport that you like or you partake in i usually i'm really heavy in the gym at the moment i really quite get into the gym especially in the mornings it really does help me clear my mind I'm trying to start yoga there is a yoga um pilates place underneath my apartment and i try and go but it's just not working with the times but the gym is 24 hours I try and get in there as much as i can i'm starting martial arts next week with my brother so cool. what, what style <laughs> so it's kind of mixed martial arts brilliant brilliant i i have a keen interest in martial arts as oh, well yeah? so tang sudo korean karate i've done oh, wow. taekwondo as well so it's i'm a big believer in physical activity mm. with a view of keeping yourself healthy mm facing adversity and overcoming mm. it because I think that translates very well into business mm, uh, absolutely into entrepreneurship as absolutely. well absolutely I guess that's why so many people like do so many like weights and stuff in the gym I'm telling you every time I'm in the gym I usually go either really late at night when no one's there or really early in the morning and you can tell that those that go early in the morning or late at night are mostly entrepreneurs because they're all like powerlifting in the gym you can tell that they've got something on their mind that they're trying to clear so, great I wish you all the best with the, thank you. With the, the, the fitness <laughs> the, and, martial and the martial arts yeah <laughs> enjoy it embrace it yeah excellent and then there's this question I ask every year to every entrepreneur mm -hmm. and uh, it will hopefully change in terms of the answer you provide mm. and it's what would you do differently knowing what you know now I would have created a vision board uh, much earlier than I did I think my vision board has been the real reason why a lot of things have kick-started for me if you can get that done early and just and put you know put out there exactly what it is that you're trying to achieve visually so that you can see it all the time and you know I definitely think that would be the first thing that I'd do. And the second thing I'd do is just try and be as researched as possible. Just know your market, know know exactly what you're going to do. Even if you're not even from that industry, it doesn't really matter. Just know as much as you can about it. Speak to people who know about it. We're lucky because we have Clayton, who's an actual mechanic, so it helps a lot. But if you didn't, if you weren't a mechanic or if Clayton wasn't part of this business, um, I'd still go out there and spend time with mechanics to try and understand the industry way more than I did. Thank you. That's the end of our podcast. Okay. The, convers <laughs> the first conversation of many, I hope. Yeah. So, um, yeah, excellent. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. And I hope you come back and share with, with all the listeners your journey yeah. over the next 12 months and uh, see how you progress. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So what do you think? We'll have another interesting story to dive into next week. Looking forward to it already. Some questions to you in the meantime. What is your story? What is your reality right now? And what are you working towards? Let me know. So you can connect with me on Twitter. Just type in Bash in the search and you'll find me. So Bash, B-A-S-H. Easy. On Instagram, it's Bash Reality. So that's Bash underscore reality. And on LinkedIn, Benjamin Ashmore. Make sure you subscribe and until next week, cheers.